0: Yeah, Mr. D-O-double-R. I say, yeah, buddy, rollin' like a big shot, Chevy tuned up like a NASCAR pit stop, fresh paint job, fresh inside, is the outside frame in the trunk wide, or the rim's up everybody welcome 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 to another episode of turn on the Jets digital presents draft season we are the four horsemen of the nfl draft process um you can call us the trey lance zach wilson trevor lawrence justin fields of this as the draft starts and ends with us four uh, i am da also joined as always as always by my guys james Coons, michael megan and joseph bellick james how you feeling man
1: well doing well, well.
0: meeks how are you
2: a little early this morning, but still feeling good. Still yeah, feeling we, good. And, you know, Jesus has risen, you know, for all my Catholic
0: and Christian folks. So we decided to bless your timelines a little earlier. Joe, how are you
3: feeling? I'm doing well. you got the sun shining over your head there, and People can't see it, but it's looking amazing.
0: Uh, yeah, it looks like I have a halo. And you guys also can't see it, but I am wearing a shirt that says Backed by Popular Demand with Jesus on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for the people, man. I'm here for the people. We are now, well, by the time you guys hear this, we will be three weeks before the NFL draft. Three weeks before the NFL draft, and we will be approximately two days before prospects descend upon some undisclosed location to have their medicals reviewed by NFL teams. Um, And so we're now going to kick this coverage into high gear. First, we're going to start with grading the mock, and then we're going to go into quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Because, as all of you know, we'd love to be rooting for a team that scores some points right? Like we'd love to see that. And it's going to start with the quarterback running back and wide receiver position. So this week's mock draft comes from TOJ's own Will Parkinson, who, if you guys don't know, likes Sam Darnold a lot. And that is Will's claim to fame. Uh, But Will has also delivered a money mock draft this this good Saturday before Easter. Um, So his first two picks, he took Zach Wilson and Rashawn Slater. We're not going to spend time talking about that because one, We've talked enough about Zach Wilson and we're going to talk about him a little later, but two, we also don't believe that it's realistic that Rashawn Slater falls all the way to 23. Um, as, as Fuego Jets takes pointed out, before we started recording, I had him as tackle one, three months ago. So anybody that says they had it before me is a liar, the liar. Um, you know, I stole Joe Billick's notes from the online, from the O line Academy. And I just said, it was me. I said, I did this. Um, <laughs> let's jump right in guys. Cause we have at 34, We have Elijah Moore, who is my wide receiver five. Um, And then we at 66, we have a Joe Billick favorite edge Peyton Turner. I'm going to start with Peyton Turner first because a lot of Jet fans do not know about him. But John Ledyard, who's joining us next week, ranked him really high in his edge rankings. So, Joe, I'm going to start with you since you've been beating the Peyton Turner drum. What is there to like about Peyton Turner and how do you like him at 66? I think that's really good value for him. What are your thoughts?
3: I think at 66 that's great value. I think it actually might be somewhat of a steal. I think he's going to end up going in the second round. He's one of these kind of raw guys that spent most of his time playing on the interior but they moved him out to edge and he hasn't looked back. I mean he's been explosive out there. He has a nice array of pass rush moves already. He uh, turned Brady Christensen into a pretzel on this one play where he went outside, moved inside, hit him with a club and an arm over and put our future quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson into the ground. Um, I love him, man. He does. He is raw, as I mentioned, but I think that his upside is so huge. Getting him at 66 for me would be a dream scenario.
0: And I will say that when you watch Zach Wilson, one of the guys that does jump out is Brady Christensen and Peyton Turner, put him in a blender. Like, let's just, let's just be clear about, it. cause I think Joe is understating it. A, a, like he, he owned him that entire game. It was, it was not, it was not, uh, pretty meeks what do you think about elijah moore at 34 and what do you think about peyton
2: turner at 66 i mean elijah moore is my wide receiver five as well and i love elijah moore i was just like i just i don't like you can talk about corners we can talk about alignment if there's a world where elijah moore is a jet i just want it to happen one of my favorite players in the draft as for peyton turner i think that is good value and um jack wilson's worst game of the season is the houston game in like the pff grade you can watch the film it's that game, Payne Turner is a huge reason why, and a lot of the inconsistencies I think Payne Turner was in his grill, and they really affected him. That'd be a nice pick. And, Meeks,
0: you compared you compared Elijah Moore to one NFL receiver in particular. Please drop that comparison for the folks because it was one that James and I, I will admit, when you dropped it, we were like, "Hmm, that's interesting." That's not the comparison I would have had. But go ahead, drop that for the folks.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, no, my comparison for him is Brandon Cooks, who at Oregon State wasn't the deep threat that he was. In the NFL, and he really did a lot of his work in the short intermediate routes. And then once he got the NFL, he proved that he could win down the field and all their testing times are really similar. The body types are similar. And I just think Elijah Moore is a smaller guy who's gonna be able to win down the field and win outside. I don't think he's just a swap.
0: Yeah, I had him. I compared him and James. James is the one that, that kind of put the start of I compared him to Jarvis Landry. I thought that he had a lot of Jarvis Landry in his game and Jarvis Landry's a, I think for me, he's an underrated receiver in this league. I think there's just no question. Elijah Moore is going to be a productive receiver wherever he goes. James, let's talk about Let's talk about Elijah Moore real quick at 34 that there's been a lot of talk of him sneaking in maybe to the chiefs at the end of round one, which I, you know, I'm going to say this, how much more help does Pat Mahomes need, right? If you get Eliza board that offense, but, what do you think of him being the him pairing with Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole? I mean, at that point, I think you got to get rid of James and Crawler to at that point, but what are your thoughts on him joining that wide receiver group?
1: Well, I think it'd make the receiver group a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, he offers a kind of smaller, twitchier skill set. He's good after the catch. He's a natural separator. Um, I think at the same time, given the fact that our top two receivers are basically the same type of player, it remains to be seen how the Jets want to build out the receiving room. So I'm not sure how likely it is that we draft a receiver like Elijah Moore. Um, you know, I think it's just something we're going we need to wait and see.
0: Yeah. And I think that's actually a really good point because I think Mims and Corey Davis stylistically are very similar, like contested catch guys, right? Like big, bigger body guys. I mean, even though Tennessee didn't, even though Tennessee used A.J. Brown as, and I mean, rightfully so, he's a monster, right? Like he was the, he was the big body receiver in that offense, but I am curious to see how this plays out in this wide receiver room. If the jets take a guy like Elijah Moore, how I'm I pose it to all three, how quick, of, how quick is Jamison Crowder jettisoned out of here? Anyone can answer. How quick is he out of here? If we draft oh, a receiver, day
2: two of the draft, he's getting flipped for a pick.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's accurate. Joe, do you agree? I I could see them moving on if they draft Elijah Moore for sure. I mean, he's got ten million dollars on the uh, the cap right there. Yeah, I I could definitely see them, like meek says, trading him out.
0: Yeah, and then you can use that pick to maybe draft an interior offensive lineman, which again, this team still sorely needs. Um, all right, let's jump right in, guys. We're gonna this is the quarterback talk, and we have you know we we have exhausted I think all efforts to analyze these quarterbacks and I think that there is no I don't think any of us are moving off of who we're ranking right now right so I revealed my my top my top four and it and and James James sent me a message and James is right there are only four quarterbacks that matter in this class in my my opinion Um, and for me it's Trevor Lawrence at one Justin Fields at two Trey Lance at three and Zach Wilson at four. And I shared that earlier this week. And, uh, you know, Jet fans were very upset about that because as you guys know, in your time covering this team, they, they, there is a lot of attachment to these quarterbacks that they, that even before they're taken by the Jets. Right. So there's a lot of attachment to Zach Wilson. Um, I feel very good about my rankings. Right. I, I feel that Justin Fields continues to get an unnecessary amount of flack. James had a really good thread about it this week where no other quarterback in this draft class I think has gotten as much flack as Justin Fields and it's a joke, right? and you know there, there there's you see the, the the coded language that's used to describe him. Shout out to JT O'Sullivan who dragged Dan Orlovsky for parroting some of that. Meigs I will start with you with the quarterbacks give me your give me your your rankings now that we were three weeks away from the draft and who's the guy that you're going to bank on as being the best starter out of the guys taken in three years who's the best guy
2: um so my rankings are Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields Zach Wilson and Trey Lance um if you just keep it in a vacuum you'd say Trevor Lawrence was going to be the best starter but obviously like we have seen in so many drafts that the first quarterback taken is not normally best quarterback taken. So it's weird to think about like someone who's a generational prospect might not end up being the best quarterback. But I really think that's why the situation matters so much. And I do, I have questions about Urban, but I just think that at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence is going to rise to the top and be the best quarterback in this class. Although I do hope it's whoever the Jets take, but I do think it's going to be Trevor.
0: Yeah, and and Meeks knows this cuz I have hated everything the Jaguars have done from the hiring of Brian Schottenheimer to the firing of the legend John Idzik before he could build a team around Trevor Lawrence. I was not pleased. Joe, I'm going to go I'm going to go to you. Uh, and this and give me your give me your big 4. Um, and folks understand that Joe was joking when he said Mac Jones was his quarterback too. That was a joke. It was not factual. Uh, but Joe, hit us with your big rankings and just who do you think who Who should be the pick for the Jets, in your opinion?
3: Well, um, my rankings are very similar to yours, Dalvin. I have Lawrence, I have Fields, I got Lance, and then Zach Wilson is number four for me. I think Justin Fields should definitely be the pick. It doesn't look like he will be. Um, I think that he is more pro ready. I think people will argue that. I think he's a dual threat. He's the most accurate quarterback on all three levels in this entire draft. I would most definitely make him the selection. I understand why people like Zach Wilson. He has these deep throws that are almost droolable. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. He has this swag about him, this killer instinct, but he also has a lot of work to do. I don't think people even realize that he has some processing issues of his own. I think that he might have more processing issues than Justin Fields. And I don't think people are talking about that. He misses wide open guys underneath, specifically in the middle of the field all the time, opting for the big play instead of the smart play. And that's not good decision-making. He doesn't Understand leverage between a wide receiver and a cornerback. He throws the go when he should throw the comeback. He throws the comeback when he should throw the go. He leads wide receivers into traffic all the time, which tells me he's not seeing the field very well. He will opt to look a linebacker off to a running back in the flat to open up, say, a slant route in the middle for his wide receiver and have no idea that the safety is even there, almost like he didn't even exist. And again, get his, quarter, his wide receiver killed. He does that all the time. He's late hitting these guys over the middle too, again, getting his wide receiver killed. And he's really not as accurate as a lot of people think. His intermediate accuracy was charted at 43% and by ESPN. And even when he throws these throws, especially, especially over the middle, he tends to hit guys in the body, like right where the defender could pretty much get a hand on it. And that might fly at BYU. That's not going to fly in the NFL. So he definitely inhibits these kind of yak opportunities. And I've mentioned it before. He's very much been a system type of quarterback. We have not seen him flourish outside of this kind of wide zone scheme. And that is a serious concern for me. And yeah, I, the one thing for the jets, because it does look like he's going to be the selection is that he is a scheme fit. And if he's going to flourish or thrive in any system, it's going to be one very similar to the one the jets will deploy. So for that, I'm somewhat optimistic.
0: I will say I raised some of the same concerns that you just outlined. And somebody said to me when I pointed out the missing receivers wide open and, and, and also leading receivers into traffic. Cause I think that's a dangerous game to play as a quarterback. I think that that is dangerous at the next level. Somebody said to me "Oh, so like most quarterbacks in the league. And I'm like, well, no, most quarterbacks don't do that because you're usually out of the league. Right. Like Johnny Menzel had a penchant for doing that. And he's out of the league. Uh, James, let, let's go to you. Give us, give us your, your, your quarterback rankings. And, Give us why you think Zach Wilson, because I know you and you and Joe agree much more, much more than me than I do. Give us why Zach Wilson is the right pick at three at two.
1: Okay. So I have Lawrence as QB one fields as QB two, Wilson as QB three and Lance as QB four in terms of how much separation there is between those among those four, um, Lawrence, I have on an eight-point grading scale as a 7.6. I have Fields as a 7.1. I have Wilson as a 6.95, and I have Lance as a 6.5B. So basically, there's equivalent distance between Lawrence and Fields as there is between Fields and Lance. So from that, you can kind of deduce that I'm not a fan of Trey Lance. I don't think he merits a top-five pick. Um, I just think, like, the accuracy, to be completely honest, is poor, And you can't draft somebody who, when he throws the ball, it doesn't go where he wants it to go in the top five, in my opinion. Um, Now, just in terms of Zach Wilson, like I think it should be Justin Fields at number two. I've been clear about that for like six months now. And um, I'm disappointed that all signs are pointing towards it not being Justin Fields at two. But that being said, I think Zach Wilson is an intriguing prospect and kind of my like bottom line with taking him at two is I think it's either going to really work out well for the jets, or it's going to take us right back to the second overall pick a few years from now. Um, And what I mean by this is I don't see Zach Wilson as, you know, maybe he'll be like a top 15 quarterback, a top 20 quarterback. I think he's a very high variance quarterback who will either have a very good outcome, you know, being maybe a very solid top six quarterback or an extremely poor outcome where he is, you know, bottom of the league, maybe where Sam Darnold is right now, where he's like 38th in the NFL. Um, So I do think that he merits a second overall pick insofar as he has things that you can't teach. Deep accuracy, I don't think you can teach some of the throws that he's made and I also think that this off-platform ability is something that you can teach, and it's best in class, in my opinion. So I think if you're kind of trying to convince yourself it's the right pick, those are the things that you would point to.
0: And I like I like what you said, because I think, Meigs, you asked this question to, to us in terms of just where do you think these quarterbacks can land? Right. And I think, you know, and I said, I, I, because I agree with you, James, I said, Wilson, I think it's a top 12 quarterback. I, I, I think anything other than that, and you're getting into, he's one of the worst quarterbacks. There is no middle ground. He is not going to end up a top 18 starter, right. He's either going to be very good or very, very bad. Um, and, and I will say, cause I, I shared some of the concerns that Joe has, but for me, the fear, The Jets rolled the dice with Sam Darnold. Like, I, I, and I'll be frank, I didn't like Sam Darnold at USC. I thought the accuracy issues were there. I thought that he very often went for the bigger play as opposed to taking the smarter play, and it didn't work. However, there are things that Zach Wilson does that I do not think Sam Darnold did coming into the league. And that's what gives me a little bit more hope than Joe. But we're all in agreement that the pick should be Justin Fields. And you know what? Somebody tweeted this out, and you guys shared this in the draft season Slack. Somebody said, with all this Mac Jones smoke at three, right, and then you hear that it could be Lance, but probably ends up being Fields. My hope is that all this talk about it being Zach Wilson ends up being that it's going to be Justin Fields. That's my hope. But again, all signs are pointing to it being Zach Wilson. I should have put $1,000 on Zach Wilson three months ago, and I would have probably been a rich man come come April 29th. Um, And I think... yeah, sorry. And I, what I was going to say, James just made a really good point because nothing has leaked at all about Joe Douglas's plans, right? Nothing. Everybody said, I don't know if you guys remember before free agency and James, you and I went back and forth about this and you ended up being right. Everybody kept saying, no, he's going to go after Tooney. He's going to be in on Corey Lindsay. He's going to go after these big guys. And James kept saying, listen, man, he's kind of said he wants to build through the draft. I don't see him going after these big, this big, these big names. And that's exactly what happened. He did exactly what he said, but there's been no leaks about Joe Douglas. And then suddenly now at the most important position, there's all these leaks. Joe, what were you going to say before I cut you off?
3: I'll just say they better hope that they establish a dominant running game because if they don't, it's going to be a bloodbath year one. I mean, he does not really perform well against cover two. And if he's, if they're establishing, they're going to get into these condensed looks and they're going to be going against single high safety and if they're running the ball, he could survive within that scheme and he'll be fine. But if they're not running the ball well and they start marching out two high safeties against him and they take away his favorite pass, he's going to be even more trouble than I think. I think people better be prepared and maybe temper their expectations because year one, I'm predicting right now, maybe north of 15 interceptions. And actually, that's a
0: perfect segue because we made a bet in the draft season slack and you guys are hearing it here first. We have set the over-under for Zach Wilson interceptions to 15. Meeks and I have taken the under because I do not think he's throwing 15 picks. And Joe has taken the over. Joe has taken the over. James, over-under 15 picks. Which one are you taking? You're taking the under?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking, I'm taking the under and his injury history tells us he's not going to play 16 games. So. yeah,
0: Right. So there, there is that. So the disclaimer is if he plays 17 games, because now we're up to 17 now by, you know, in five years, we'll be up to 20, uh, I do not think if he plays all 17 games, I do not think he throws 15 picks. I think he may land at 15 may maybe a little bit under. James, I'll go to you before we go to the running backs.
1: Wait, sorry. Yeah, it just occurred to me as I made that statement that we're talking about spending a number two overall pick on the quarterback. And none of us mentioned his injury history, which I think is just more indicative of the general discourse surrounding Zach Wilson than like some flaw of like us four. I mean, it's absolutely absurd that he's had like significant shoulder surgery and he had surgery on his throwing hand, and people aren't talking about injury problems. And I understand that the response that everybody gives is that, oh, these things aren't gonna reoccur. Like, you know, it's been like scientifically demonstrated that these don't like reoccur, but that's not the argument that this should be a concern. Like the reason there should be a concern is because the best indicator of future injuries is past injuries not that those things are going to reoccur. So it's like, how are we supposed to believe that this kid's going to stay healthy? Like, that's one of the main reasons I don't have him that highly graded Zach Wilson. Like, it's just yeah. A big-
0: and I th- and I think you're spot on. And that is something I, again, when I brought that up, somebody, somebody said, well, I've had this injury too. And I played college softball and I'm fine. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but you're not a quarterback, like getting hit you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 times a game. Uh, I'm very interested to see how it works out, guys. I'm very interested to see how it works out. Let's go right to running backs, though, because the Jets right now, Tevin Coleman is all they have. And we also at the draft season, in draft season, have a discussion about just what kind of running backs are going to fit this offense, right? And right now, uh, you know, and James made a hypothesis a couple months ago that he thinks that this offense needs speed guys. Joe in banging the table for Trey Sermon has said that we don't necessarily need 4.2 Blazers. A 4.5, 4.6 guy with some vision is good, right? Uh, and Meigs, I think you and I kind of land in the middle. Like, listen, just get a, a productive guy. One cup back, that's going to hit the holes and go. It doesn't matter how fast he hits them. Um, but my, so my running back rankings, I have ETN at one, Najee Harris at two. I have Javante Williams at three, Michael Carter at four. And my man, Kenny Gainwell comes in at running back five for me. Uh, And I feel, I feel very good. I think Travis Etienne and Najee Harris in particular, their talent is, is unquestionable. I think they're going to, I think they're both going to fall. And because again, running backs aren't valued like that. Right. But here's the scary proposition for me. And I've said this all off season. If Najee Harris goes to the Buffalo Bills, that is a scary proposition for me because I think he more than Etienne in that offense I think you need a running back. And we've talked about this before, like how Blake Griffin used to take defensive souls when him and Chris Paul used to alley-oop. Najee Harris is to take your soul running back. And if you want to shorten some games in the fourth quarter so your inaccurate quarterback doesn't cost you games, you get a guy like Najee Harris, right, to hand him the rock. Joe, I'll go to you. Give Give me your running back rankings. And you and I, we're bonded in the Kenny Gainwell love. But I know you don't have him in your top five, and that's okay. I'm not going to kick you off the island for that. Give me your running back
3: rankings. Nah, he didn't didn't make the top five. Number one for me is Najee Harris. He's the the perfect combination of a Porsche and a Mack truck coming at you. He's just a super powerful back with elite contact balance and ridiculous change of direction abilities. Not to mention he's probably the best receiving back in the entire draft class. Love this guy. Um, Number two for me is Javante Williams. I I think that uh, this analogy works for Javante. A great pool player, always knows how to set up his next shot. And I don't think anybody does that better than Javante. He sees the field really well. Love him. I actually, he's more like running back one B to me, really. I have him pretty much tied with Najee. And Etn is my RB3. He's a home run threat guy. He's a speed guy. He's great hands. Now in reference to the Jets, I think he's better suited for more of a gap slash power scheme. He does a better job when he follows lead blockers and there's a designated gap he can run to where he doesn't have to really rely too much on his vision like he would in zone now he got better this season on zone runs but he's still far from perfect in that area and I think a zone heavy team could potentially derail his career still I can see a team like the Jets potentially taking a chance on him because he has that long speed and that home run threat ability that would be absolute fire in this offense if he if he could put it together but if the Jets draft him, expect some serious growing pains. I just want the fans to know that who are really banging the table for, uh, for ETN. As far as Trey Sermon, um, I would pick him over ETN for the Jets every day over the week. He's a much better fit for this wide zone scheme. His decision-making and vision on zone runs are excellent. He does a great job of pressing the line of scrimmage and setting up blocks. And he's just such a fluid athlete whose movements are really like both graceful and powerful believe it or not he might be the most elusive running back in this class which is special considering his size and number five for me is the guy the Jets have been linked to recently Michael Carter uh considering his size uh he's not as fast as I'd hope but he's so shifty and elusive he's a bona fide ankle breaker I mean he'll jump cut you out of your shoes he's a he's a complete joy to watch and he's maybe the best receiving back in this class outside of Najee Harris so those are my top five guys. Sorry, Dalvin couldn't put uh, Kenny G in there for you, but so, you know I do like I, I do like the music he makes on the field.
0: There you go, there you go. And I think I honestly think I think Gainwell James. You asked this question this week, and I think it's a good one. I think Kenny Gainwell has a ton of receiving potential, and I think if you get him in an offense like the 49ers, where they'll move him into the slot and kind of move him around, I think he could be dangerous. However, I did see a mock draft this week that had the Niners taking ETN in round two, and that's also incredibly scary for me because I think I think I think Kyle Shanahan. And James, we've talked about this before. The 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 marriage to scheme. One of the things that I like about Kyle Shanahan is that Kyle Shanahan is incredibly versatile as a play caller. And you've seen him just tailor his scheme to what his guys do well. And I think he would do really well with ETN. James, I'll go to you. Hit us with your best shot. Who are your who are your who are your running backs? Who are your running backs in this class? The best ones.
1: All right. So I have ETN as RB1. I have Najee Harris as RB2, Javante Williams as RB3. Jamar Jefferson as RB4, and Michael Carter from UNC as RB5. So really, I only view the top three as like legitimate running backs. The rest are just going to be like backups, you know, not really going to do anything in the NFL, in my opinion. You know, I think Jamar is like decent. I comped him stylistically to Tevin Coleman, which obviously was a comp that was shattered when Jamar ran a four-five-six at his pro day, um, which surprised me a bit but the thing I just want to kind of touch on is the whole is Etienne a fit in the outside zone system so I think Joe and I are kind of aligned in that he's not necessarily a good fit um at least on tape because every time he ran outside in the games I watched he just seemed very uncomfortable and hesitant um and that's kind of um you don't know what to do with that because his skill set is perfect for an outside zone system. You know, somebody who's really fast, has got great acceleration and great burst, you would think that would be a perfect fit. So I think the way you got to think about that is if you want like immediate success, he's somebody that you want in more of an inside zone, you know, maybe some power, that type of system. But if you really believe that you can coach him up, um, then I think, you know, you take him for an outside zone system and, you know, hope that he can kind of acclimate to that early. So that's my RB thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good point and I will say uh Joe when you when you were describing Javante, you know who he sounded like to be sounded like Le'Veon Bell? And because Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the smarter running backs that I've seen, like just in terms of just the, the, the analogy that they always use for for Le'Veon, and they use this for Curtis Martin too, was the chess game, right? Like it's it, it's like trusting your pieces to move, right? It's, it's it's a similar skill in pool, right? Like you're trusting that if I hit the ball here, it's going to hit this ball and go here. And I think I think Javante might be one of the smarter running backs in in, in the draft. Meeks. let's go to you because you've been banging the table for Michael Carter as is. I'm interested to see where he ends up for you. Hit us with your top, Hit us with your top five.
2: Yeah, so I have Javante, one, Travis Etienne, two, Najee, three, Trey Sermon, four, and Michael Carter actually just got Wally pipped by Jamar Jefferson for five because he's the Jamar Jefferson is perfect for his zone scheme. Uh, I thought his speed was a lot quicker on tape than it was in his pro day, and he's battled ankle injury. So I'm thinking that could have a reason for if he's lost a little bit of burst, but his vision is the best part about him. And that's the most important trait you need to run zone. So I'm really excited for Jamar Jefferson. Trey Sermon, I really like. I just think, like, he really found the scheme that worked for him. He really put it all together. And he's physical. He's fast. He's shifty. I think Joe pointed out really all together. And I guess my biggest surprise is having Najee three. I just think that, like, I like Najee Harris. He, I think he's going to contribute the most for three downs. I just I just think, like, he's, he's a guy who hits a lot of doubles. He's not a guy who's going to hit a lot of home runs. And that's why I value Javante and Travis Etienne just a little higher. But all great players.
0: I like that. I will, I will say, I think, I think Najee, I think I really think you're looking at, and this is interesting because when we talk about why Zach Wilson gets elevated is because of the Mahomes factor, right? Like a lot of folks see the the deep ball and they're like, Oh, you know what? That's gotta be Mahomes, even though <coughs> realistically he probably resembles Matt Stafford more than more than Pat Mahomes <coughs> with Najee Harris. I wonder how many teams are looking for the next Derrick Henry and they see Derrick Henry and Najee. And then that's what Najee, sorry. Cause he yelled at a reporter for, misspe- for mispronouncing his name. Um, I wonder how many, how many folks are looking for the next Derrick Henry and that's going to elevate Najee a little bit, but I'm telling you guys, very real fear that he ends up in Buffalo with that, with McDermott and, and, and Dable and that, and that offense. I'm very, very scared. Joe, I'll go to you before we go to wide receivers.
3: Yeah. I don't know if we should like knock Najee for that perhaps, you know, Hitting the double sometimes is all you really need. When you look at somebody like Curtis Martin, he was the master of the four yard gain and just getting you exactly what you needed to move the chains. And I think Najee has that kind of thing in him too. And everybody's looking for that long speed, but he's got everything else besides that. And I think that he's going to string it together and make a, a team very happy. And if he goes to the Bills, he's going to make another team very unhappy. That's us right here. Yeah. Good luck to Q trying to bring that
0: man down if that's where, if that's where he goes. Um, let's go right to wide receivers. we got eight minutes to go, guys. Um, and so wide receiver, I think, this is a really good class. I, I really, really like this wide receiver class. Um, I ended up with eight wide receivers in my top, was it eight? I'll have to double check, but it's probably eight in my top 32, which is the most of that I've ever I've ever landed it. Um, so for me, uh, number one is Jalen Waddle, full throttle Waddle. Uh, then it's Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith. And number five is Elijah Moore. And we talked a little bit about Elijah Moore. Um, I think Jalen Waddle had he not gotten hurt I think would have been the guy that we would have been talking about. And I just cannot discount discount his last year's tape where I thought honestly, pound for pound is probably their, their most complete wide receiver. Right. And I like him more than Devonte Smith because I, I worry, I worry about Devonte's size at the next level. Um I think that, when you, I think you're going to have to be a guy that you manufacture touches for, whereas I don't think you have, to, I don't think you necessarily have to do that for, for Waddle, Chase, Bateman. I think those are guys that are going to be consistently open. Um, and I I got a question on Twitter today, well, a couple of days ago about what do I think about my man, A.R. Tony, and I will tell you. I am very worried about the hip hop artist known as AR Tony. I'm very worried about it. And I have nothing but love for unsigned rappers, but I am very worried about, I'm worried that a team is going to overdraft him. but I like him a lot. Uh, Meigs, I'll go to you. Let's start with your wide
2: receivers. Yeah, I have Devonte one, which is probably my hottest take of the, of the podcast. Uh, I Devante, and then I have Jamar two, Waddle three, Bateman four, and then a lot of Jamar, who I also talked about is five. I, with Devonta like, he's going to be the ultimate like Rorschach test for me, like looking at receivers going forward because everything he does is like, he's the best off press. He has the best hands. He has the best tape of any wide receiver because people can talk about his breakout age. Like he broke out last year. He outproduced Jerry Judy. He outproduced Henry Ruggs. And he was, he played X while all those guys were playing in the slot, put them in the slot where they put them at Z. He was to his favorite target. He was Mac Jones favorite target. And if his size is what, him, then I'll just know that there are thresholds that have to be met. But like Devonta Smith, I just think is just going to dominate the NFL because that's all he's done his entire life.
0: Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think, I think, honestly, I think you nailed it. I think, I think if it doesn't work for him, I'm never, I'm never ranking a 180 pounder ever again in the top 30. Uh, James, I'll go to you and then we'll, and then we'll end with Joe. Give me your wide receivers and give me, and give me a Fuego wide receiver take that, that we can incite the masses with.
1: Okay, so I have Jamar Chase as my wide receiver one. I have Devonta Smith just edging out to be wide receiver two. My wide receiver three, I think this is going to hurt your feelings, Dalvin. I'm sorry for this one, um, is Rashad Bateman. But right behind him is Jalen Waddell at wide receiver four. And then in a highly contrarian um, take, my wide receiver five is Tylan Wallace.
2: I knew it was Tylan.
1: Um so just kind of explaining um like the general philosophy here. Um I prioritize outside receivers over slot receivers. Um I prioritize natural separators over people who need touches manufactured for them. Um if Kadarius Tony, if AR Tony, as Dalvin says, didn't have like all these problems um i would probably have him as my wide receiver five because i think he's probably only player in this class that has like a truly rare innate ability like innate ability which is his like basically like how flexible his ankles are and like his balance when people hit him um but the reason i have tylen wallace as wide receiver five is because you know yeah it takes a lot of projection his you know skill set wasn't really showcased in the oklahoma state offense but I think he's a very good route runner who has shown instances of working into corners, blind spots against off coverage. I think he can clear man, you know, press man coverage. He was forced to take outside releases in college. He won't be forced to do that on a down-to-down basis in the NFL. And, you know, I think after the catch, he's a beast. He plays way bigger than his size in so many areas. He's a two-time team captain. He had one major injury ACL, but I'm not concerned about that since that was the only major one. you Know obviously it's a highly contrarian opinion, but I think Tylan is really a slam dunk here.
0: And just so and and you guys know because you guys have been listening to this now for three months, James has been banging the drum for Tylan Wallace for three months. <laughs> if you guys remember, we did we did a mock three months ago, and James said he would lay that Tylen Wallace was the guy. And I think I think what what this offense is missing I think for me is a vertical threat somebody that can go down the field and win though and and win down the field and what jumped out to me with Tylan is he's really good at winning down the field like winning those 50-50 jump balls um with Tony and I, I I I tend to not ding guys for all the extra stuff but when there's so much extra stuff I think that gives me a little pause Um, But I, I think he's, he's a pinball man. Like whenever he gets hit, he stays up, he doesn't go down. And so I'm really interested to see if he ends up in a scenario where maybe he goes to Pittsburgh, where all they do is manufacture wide receivers. I'm interested to see what he does. Joe, hit us with your wide receivers, man. Hit us with the guys that you want to be catching passes from your QB one, Zach Wilson. Let us know.
3: Well, you know, I want all of these guys, but Uh, Jamar Chase is my wide receiver one. He's a do-it-all wide receiver with almost no flaws in his game. He's a master technician. And at some point, I think he's going to battle for the top spot at wide receiver in the league. I've said it before. He's the grim reaper of this wide receiver draft class. He snatches souls on the way to the end zone. Jalen Waddell is number two for me. He would be definitely number one if it wasn't for Jamar Chase. He's a multi-faceted player who can play inside and out. He's very tough. Even at his size, he can go up and get it. In fact, he's the best in the class at making adjustments with the ball in the air. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, Rashard Bateman is number three for me. Um, I think that we have that in common with a couple of guys in here. I think Bateman has pro Bowl upside, really nice releases from the line, great route runner, and better than expected gap ability. One of the best ball trackers in the draft too. And he has a Mims-like ability to contort his body to make a catch. It's really impressive. Number four for me is Devontae uh, Smith, uh, Meigs' guys. Um, sorry, Meigs, I couldn't get him all the way up to the one spot. But when I think of Smith, I think of footwork, yak ability, route running, and just a ridiculous catch rate radius. Oh, and Smith apparently has a PhD in breaking ankles. I mean, this guy has some serious moves. Listen, slow feet don't eat. And apparently Devontae Smith is really hungry. <laughs> Um, number five for me is Terrace Marshall. He's a versatile guy, He can play both inside and outside. He creates separation with ease, has some yak ability, especially over the middle of the field, super fast. He has the second gear that actually reminds me of Darrell Rivas, believe it or not. Darrell Rivas would always be, I know he's a cornerback, cornerback obviously, but Darrell Rivas would always be almost like just jogging with these wide receivers he'd be covering. And as soon as the ball got in the air, boom, he would hit that second gear and Terrace Marshall has it in him too. So I think he's the most underrated receiver in this class actually wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being the best when it's all said and done after Jamar chase by the way, um, in this entire class so those are my top five guys I'm curious what you guys think. And I'm gonna I'm gonna trademark slow feet
0: don't eat because I think that that is a money money line. Guys, I think I think that one of the I think what what I've landed on hearing all of our takes is that this is a very good wide receiver class. There's a lot of talent, um, and the Jets would be wise to add one of them right? Because one, even if you kept Crowder, his contract is up at the end of the year anyway, but I think he'd be wise to add a young, a young, young guy. Um, next week, guys, we are going O-line and D-line. We're going the big boys and we're joined by John Ledyard from Pewter Report, who's going to break my heart by dashing the Gregory Rousseau dream, but we have a lot of questions for him. So please tune in next week for next week's episode of Draft Season.